Hey there, thanks for joining us here at Compass Church, where we are making God accessible to everyone. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us as a church, head over to our website, compassbn.com. We hope this inspires you and gives you practical ways to live out your faith. Enjoy the message. Which reminds me of an obscure story I'm going to share with you today that's in the Bible. A story that we don't usually teach in kids' church, a story that we don't usually talk about in regular church. And it comes from Second Kings, and it's about the prophet Elisha. Elisha came after his mentor, Elijah, who was an amazing prophet, did amazing things. And Elisha was just the same. He did amazing things. He was very well known. He was popular because he was wise, and he did just as many miracles as, as Elijah had. He was well-respected, and he was well-known in the land. And in that day, there was much turmoil and unrest in their world. Feels a little familiar with our world right now. And it was a time when the mainstream culture had turned to wickedness and had turned to worshiping the idol Baal. They were into Baal worship. They cared more, the people of that time cared more about materialism and having things than being faithful to the one true God. I I imagine they were rolling around on their limited edition camels, you know? They got their Gucci sandals on and, you know, they're trying to impress everybody. They're, you know, strolling around drinking $14 Starbucks drinks, you know? Because they were into stuff rather than following the one true faithful God. And in the midst of this hypocritical and this selfish culture, Elisha has, and this is what blows my mind, Elisha has this thriving, thriving school of ministry filled, filled with young prophets. And they had righteous hearts, the scripture talks about. They were righteous and they were hungry to learn from Elisha and learn from the Lord and they wanted to please God. This passage describes a ministry college, okay? Just imagine in a a culture where people have turned their backs on God, right in the middle of all the darkness, there's this ministry college that's booming and it's filled to the brim of people who love God and are excited about serving him. What a light in the middle of darkness. What a hope in the middle of hopelessness. And they were growing, the scripture says, and they were in need of a bigger building. Crazy. Okay, so check this out. This is what it says in 2 Kings 6, 1 through 2. It says, Now the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, Behold now, the place before you where we are living is too limited for us. Please let us go to the Jordan, the river, and let each of us take from there a beam, and let us make a place there for ourselves where we may live. And so Elisha responded and he said, okay, go, you have my blessing. And I love this, there's this growing Christian college that's bringing up ministers and prophets and preachers and teachers, and they're teaching them God's word and it's flourishing. And the students were all about, I mean, these students were all about making the ministry happen. I mean, I get this picture 
of a culture where nobody cared about God, but yet it's kind of like a church these days where there's a bright light shining out of this place where people are committed to serving the Lord no matter what else is going on in the world. It's an excitement. It's something that's happening. And that's what was happening there. And they were committed to seeing the word of God to be learned and to be preached and that they would flourish and that they would grow. But professor or prophet Elisha of this ministry college was a busy man. He was a busy man and he's like, okay, fine. If, if that's what you need, I support you. I'm cheering you on. Go to the Jordan River if that's the place that you pick. Build a new building for you guys to live in. Do it, make it so, make it happen. But what the men wanted was they wanted Elisha to come with them. They wanted him to come. And they're probably like, okay, he said, go ahead and go, but we want him with us. And we just kind of for the first time stepped out of our parents' house and mom used to fix all of our problems and dad was always there for us. And now we're out on our own and we're really excited about what God's doing. I need Elisha with me. We can't go off and do this on our own, not to mention Elisha's doing all these amazing miracles. And we don't want to miss out on a little bit of what Elisha's doing. And they wanted Elisha to come with them. Elisha always has the answers. What happens if something goes wrong and Elisha isn't there with us? We're off at college. We don't have our moms to help us anymore. And we gotta build this college dormitory and we need Elisha there. So they begged Elisha to come with them. They probably pushed, I imagine, like the littlest guy, you know, he drew the shortest straw or something. Like they pushed him to be their spokesperson to go, go tell Elisha, like, like, we want you to come <laughs> with us. His name was probably something like Little Mikey or something like that. I don't know. Second Kings 3, or 6, 3 through 4, Little Mikey speaks up, if that's what his name was. And he says this, please, please. Be willing to go with your servants, Elisha. And Elisha answered, I shall go. So he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. Wow, he said yes. He just asked and he said yes. I love that Elisha loved his people so much that he was willing to come alongside his students and get muddy and get dirty and to work alongside them. He made himself available although he probably had more critical needs to attend to. Working alongside his students gave him the opportunity to really know them, to really know them well and have an influence over them for the kingdom. And Elisha cared about what they cared about, building this dormitory. Then something happens on the construction site, All right? Let's continue reading. Here we go. Second Kings 6, five through seven, it says, but as one was felling a beam, I don't know, are there any construction workers in here? Felling a beam, I don't know what felling a beam is at all, but I'm sure it has something to do with putting a beam in or getting a beam prepared for a building. I know, so they were felling a beam. So as one was felling a beam, the ax head that he was using, I guess felling must have something to do with an ax, Okay, we're just assuming here a lot of things. Okay, huh? Cutting down a tree. He was felling a beam. All right, thank you very much. All right, he was felling down a beam and the ax head fell 
into the water of the Jordan River. And he cried out and he said, alas, my master, it was borrowed. Ah, okay. Now we don't know for sure the whole situation because there's not a lot of details about this man who was felling a beam and losing his ax into the water. But we can assume that he was a student from the school of the prophets and we, wanna, we can assume that he was probably not super wealthy because he had to borrow a tool in order to join in on the work that was being done. He wanted to help build the new dormitory, but he had no ax of his own to help build it. We don't know who he borrowed it from either. He, you know, could have borrowed it from a wealthy man in town, or maybe he borrowed it from his dad who owned a wealthy, um, a successful business. Maybe he got special permission from his dad to borrow his tool and his dad probably gave him the talk like a lot of parents do when we borrow things that are special to them. Okay, you can borrow it, but just make sure you take good care of it and bring it back in one piece. <laughs> or maybe this student took it from his father's tool shed without his father knowing and said, you know what, I'm just gonna borrow this. Dad won't even notice that it's gone. And after I'm done with this project, I'll just put it back and he'll never know that I used it. But now, the ax was at the bottom of the river. I'm sure that the student at this point was scrambling. What do I tell my dad? How much is this gonna cost me? How many lawns am I gonna have to mow to pay off the debt of what this ax is worth? Oh man, I bet he said, I'm in so much trouble. What does the student do? What does he do? He's got a problem. He can't fix it. What does he do? He goes to the person who he knows has a relationship with the one who can fix it, and he runs to Elisha because he knows that Elisha has the relationship with God. And this is what the scripture says after that. It says, then the man of God said, Elisha said, where did it fall? And he showed him the place in the river, probably had to estimate. It was somewhere in this area here. And then Elisha did something crazy and strange because miracles always come with some kind of crazy and strange actions. And so he took a stick and he threw it, it says, into the area where it, was, where it had sunk. And immediately it made the iron float. And he said, take it up for yourself. So he put out his hand and the student grabbed the floating ax head out of the river. Crazy. And that's the end of the story. <laughs> that's all we get is this crazy miracle that took place. What does the student do? He ran to Elisha because he knew that Elisha could fix it. But talk about the power of God demonstrated went against the laws of nature, right? This is more, guys, this is more though than God doing some sort of entertaining magic show for people to see. There's more to this when we look into it. We see the character of God and his response to what was seemingly a small detail. What did God care about an ax? I mean, really think about it. What did God care about an ax except for the fact that the ax mattered a great deal to that student? And the student 
didn't want to be in debt for a tool that he had borrowed. God took it upon himself through Elisha to fix the situation and pay the debt and rescue an ax from the bottom of the river. And it may seem like that doesn't connect to anything else until you really think about Jesus and what Jesus did for us when we were in a helpless situation, helpless to our sin and our sinful condition. We were basically dead and under the water and Jesus came on the cross and he paid the price for us so that we can then come up out of the water like we do in baptism. And, be, and it symbolizes rising up when we accept Jesus to be our savior. And he brings us new life, paying the debt for us. That's how much Jesus loves us. That's how much he cares about us. My, um, my son, who's eight, this last fall, informed me that at school, his teacher wanted everybody to bring a healthy snack every day to school. And so I'm trying to think, what does that mean? Because they would have these breaks where they could take their masks off outside and eat their healthy snack. And so I was really good. And every single day, I would put some grapes in a Ziploc bag and I'd put them in his backpack. Or if I didn't have grapes, I'd put a banana. I would try to alternate grapes and bananas. You know, something healthy that I know that he will eat. And so a couple weeks after that, I noticed that he was laying in bed, you know, reading some books before bedtime. And I, I was, what are you reading there, buddy? And he's, he's got this Marvel book. Um, and it is just gross. <laughs> this book is wet. It is damp. It has got mold all over it. It stinks. As he's turning the pages, they are ripping out of the book. And this is a library book that he got from school, okay? And so I'm like, that's gross. Let me see that. And I'm like, I had no idea at the time. I, couldn't, I didn't put it together. Like, why is this book so gross? And why is it falling apart? It needed to be thrown in the garbage. And then I realized as I opened up his book bag that there were piles and piles of fermenting grapes in bags and deteriorating bananas in his book bag and not one library book, but three library books were completely destroyed. And I just wanna give a little bit of perspective here. My, I've had this conversation with my son several times about cleaning all of the food every day and throwing it in the trash. I don't want him bringing any food back home in his book bag for this very reason, because I'm not like the most awesome mom. I mean, I saved the day, but you know, in this case, I didn't save the book bag. We had to throw it in the garbage. It was so disgusting, so gross. So I, um, I, found, I found a new book bag for him and I got an envelope and I put some money in it so he could take it to school and pay for the damaged library books. See, I was disappointed in the situation. Like I know all parents are because like, ah. Oh, that was a nice book bag and I want my son to be responsible and I want him to eat these healthy snacks that I was so diligent over so many weeks to pack for him. But I also know my son. I know him really well. And I know that he didn't mean to do anything wrong. He's just an eight-year-old boy who would rather eat pretzels that his teacher was offering him instead of bananas. <laughs> 
but still, to make a point, I made him clean up dog poop in the backyard for 30 minutes. But not only do I know my son, but I also care about my son. I care about him really a whole lot. So I got him a new backpack and I, you know, gave him the money to pay the debt. And because of my love, I made myself available to find a solution to his soggy situation. Do you guys know that God also knows us in the same way? God knows us. He knows our hearts. He's blessed when our intentions are good. He's grateful when we're doing his kingdom work. He's honored that we consider him for solutions and come to him for help, even when we mess up, you guys. Even when we mess up and find ourselves in a pickle, he knows us and he's not gonna leave us hanging. Psalm 139, one through three says this. It says, Lord, you examine me and you know me. You know when I sit down and you know when I get up. Even from far away, God, you understand my motives. You carefully observe me when I travel or when I lay down to rest. You are aware of everything I do. God sees our soggy situations when our axes fall to the bottom of a river or our bananas are rotting out our backpacks. God knows what we've gotten ourselves, when we've gotten ourselves in over our heads. He knows us. We might not be building a dormitory for a school of ministry, but we may be caring for orphans or we may be caring for our own children or we may be teaching a Bible study. Or we may be giving to the needy or we may be funding missionaries on the other side of the world or we may be passing out groceries or we may be helping out with the compass closet. But as we work, some of us accidentally lose our dad's ax and it falls into the Jordan River unexpectedly. Whoops, <laughs> you know, honest mistake. But God knows. I mean, he's fully aware because he's been working right alongside us the whole time. God knows us. But he also, he cares about us. I just feel like somebody in this room, like we've heard words like this before, God knows you and God cares for you. But somebody in this room needs to hear that again today, to be reassured, God cares about you. I love that about God. He cares not just about us, but he also cares about the things that we care about. He's not distant. He's not off attending to, to people that are more important or, or, or missions that are more important. He cares even about the little things that concern you. And he lovingly reaches out to help us. We don't have to worry about tomorrow. I love this in 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, cast all your anxiety on him because he what? He cares for you. Your father cares about you so much. He's willing to attend to our little ouchies. <laughs> no matter how 
microscopic they may seem to the author and the creator of the universe. He, he may not see, you know, there may not be anything visible to see, but he cares because it hurts us. He's willing to pay our debt and to make up for our deficiencies. He's gonna clothe us and he's gonna feed us and he's gonna provide miraculous solutions for us. Guys, we don't have to worry. That's what separates us from the world. The world doesn't have the hope of Jesus. When circumstances are rough, (laughs) we don't have to worry. We have the hope of Jesus and we know that we can go to the one who actually can fix our problems and give us solutions. I love what Matthew 6, 25 and 26 says. It says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Don't worry about it. What you're gonna eat or what you're gonna drink or about your body or what you'll wear. Isn't there more to life than food and more to the body than clothing? Look at the birds of the sky, he says. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Ha, aren't you more valuable than they are? God knows us. God cares about us. And he's not just able to fix our problems. He is available, working right next to us to fix our problems. I uh, was watching a TikTok, I think this was even just last night, and I was captivated by this one girl who was just talking, and she's like, you know, I'm speaking about toxic people in your life. You can tell somebody's a toxic person in your life when they wrong you, and then they just stop talking to you. God's not gonna do that. When we wrong God, he could just diss us and ghost us. But God is faithful to us. He is able to fix our problems and he makes himself available to us. He doesn't turn his nose to us. He's there and he's near in times of trouble. Somebody needs to hear that today. He knows more about how to solve your problem than you do. And he's gonna do it. It may not look the way that we expected it to look like. It may not look at all the way we hoped and dreamed, but I'm telling you, God is with you. He cares about you and he's working things out. He's not gonna leave you hanging. I love what Ephesians 3.20 says, now to him who is able. He is able to do immeasurably more than what we ask or imagine. We can dream it up, but God's got something even more that he's able and available to do in your life. He's got better solutions than you do. Psalm 145, 18 says, the Lord is near. (laughs) He's not on the other side of the world ignoring you. He is near. Do you realize God is everywhere? So he is so big that he can attend to the people on the other side of the world and he can attend to you and your things that may seem small in comparison to big problems in this world. The Lord is near, it says, to all who call on him, to all who call upon him in truth. And this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna end, I'm gonna end with this. 
what concern or impossible problem have you withheld from God because you thought it was too trivial? What impossible thing keeps you up at night worrying? What impossible thing do you talk to your closest friends about, but you haven't gone to the Father who can fix the problem? You're thinking, oh, it's too trivial. What is it for you? What is it for you? What is that thing that you think is God is too busy to be concerned, to intervene and to help in that situation? God knows you, God cares about you and he is able to make a difference in that. No matter how small, what's heavy on your heart today? Ask yourself an honest question today. What's heavy? What do I need to take and run to the Father with? It's time right now for us to take that to the one who knows you, who cares about you, and who's able to fix it. Let's pray right now. And I just wanna use this time to just focus on God and just say, God, here it is. <laughs> I'm gonna leave out these doors today feeling lighter because you've got this. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for coming alongside us today. Thank you, God, that you don't leave us alone, but you're right there with us. God, I pray, God, that you find us faithful. See our hearts and know that, we know, God, that you want to be with us. We know that you love watching us build your kingdom together with you. And we don't want to do this by ourselves. Just like the students in the, in the school of ministry didn't want to do it without Elisha. We want you with us and we feel better knowing that you're near to us, oh God, that you're leading us. But God, some of us are struggling and we're in a, in a whole bunch of trouble. We don't know which way to turn. We don't know what the answers are and we need your intervention in our lives. How are we gonna pay this debt? How am I going to reconcile this mess that I've gotten myself into? Lord, you're gonna come in. We trust that you're gonna come in and you're gonna save the day. Thank you, God, for ultimately sending Jesus to save us. All we have to do is surrender our lives to him. <laughs> and for those who have accepted Jesus as, as our savior, we no longer are condemned by our sin, but Jesus paid that price. Thank you, Jesus. We wanna say thank you again today. If we haven't woke up this morning and said thank you for that very fact, then we're doing it now. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, God. Thank you for knowing us. Thank you for caring for us and making yourself available. Clothe us, clothe us Lord, in your righteousness. Redeem us by your faith. Feed us with wisdom. And Lord, we want to marvel at your miracles. We run to you today. <laughs> You're the provider of our solutions. For you, oh God, are our God. Amen. Thanks again for joining us today. If you want to learn more about us as a church, get connected, need prayer, or anything else at all, head over to our website, compassbn.com.